Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Hi there, today we're talking about DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness, that horrible feeling that's sore and debilitating and takes you out of running. Most runners have suffered from it at some point, and many just accept it as a side effect of running. But if it's not addressed, DOMS may lead to exercise-induced muscle damage and longer time out of training. So today we're going to revisit the research and give you some nutrition and lifestyle tips and tools to help you recover effectively from DOMS. Hello and welcome to She Runs, Eats, Performs. I'm Aileen Smith and I co-host our show with my very good friend and business partner, Karen Campbell. We're both professional nutritionists and our spare time we're runners. Our show is dedicated to you, a female midlife runner. The menopause transition is a challenging time for many women and no one wants this phase of life to affect their well-being or indeed their running. As midlife women, Karen and I know what you might be experiencing and we also know how transformational good nutrition is at this stage of life. Our approach is to swap magic bullet advice for evidence-based nutritional science. We focus on real food and strategic food choices so you can enjoy your running and be your best. We hope that our episode topics are helpful to you. However, if you'd like professional help from us, please book a complimentary work with us call at runnershealthhub.com. The suggestions we make during this episode are for guidance and advice only and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. Hi everyone, I'm Aileen and I'm here with Karen as always and today our topic is all about DOMS, so that's delayed onset muscle soreness and we've talked about this subject before way back in episode 15 uh, when we talked about nutrition to solve DOMS. So for this conversation today what we're going to do is revisit the research and evidence supporting a nutritional and lifestyle approach to the recovery of DOMS uh, because it's not a nice thing to experience. Um, So before we start I'd like to welcome back our our regular listeners and if you're listening for the first time a warm welcome to you we really hope you enjoy this episode and all the others before and to follow Karen and I love podcasting and we always love it when we hear from you so please drop us a line at hello at runnershealthhub.com introduce yourself and share a little bit about your running and your nutrition goal it really helps us plan future topics for the podcast and if you uh, need a little bit of extra help, we've got some free downloadable ebooks at our website, which is runnershealthhub.com. Uh, look at the top menu bar for free nutrition guides. Um, we find that the most popular free guide is Top Running Snacks and Nutrient Timing, and that helps fuel your running. And it goes alongside a lot of the advice we share in our episodes. Um, so feel free to uh, pop over to the website and um, download that, and we'll send it over to you. So we hope it helps you. And uh, now it's time to get started on today's topic, which, as I said, is all about DOMS. So hello, Karen. Um, How are you today? I'm good. Thank you, Aileen. Eager for our discussion, as always. Great. Well, let's get started. So um, could you maybe start by telling us a little bit more about why we're discussing this subject today? Yeah, absolutely, Aileen. And just to outline how we will do that, we're going to start by recapping on the definition of DOMS and then sort of highlighting some of the typical signs and symptoms of its development and potentially risk factors as well. We'll then outline the current evidence-based nutritional approaches to supporting recovery from DOMS. And then from there, we'll move on to discuss how to put these nutritional recommendations into practice. And I'm thinking about the why, Aileen, um, of discussing this topic. Well, 
like you said right at the beginning, we have talked about this subject before, quite a while ago, actually, like you said, it was episode 15. And as we know, research and data is always changing. It's always being updated. And because DOMS is such a, a common affliction of runners, I thought it was just really important to share this more most recent information that's coming out from the research. But also in our previous episode, we chatted there principally about the macronutrients, so the proteins, fats and carbohydrates, and how they might help to um, recover from DOMS. But more recently, the research has been focusing on some phytonutrients known to be supportive and effective in the recovery from DOMS. So, so really, I suppose what I'm saying is if you if you are currently experiencing or you do find you you uh, experience DOMS at times and find it frustrating and debilitating, then definitely listen in to, to try and find out more about the emerging nutritional approaches to help support you. Great. So we've got lots of new information to talk about today, which is fantastic. So um, we know that DOM stands for that delayed onset muscle soreness, but just let's go into its definition a little bit more detail. So DOMS is actually classed as a symptom of exercise induced muscle soreness, and it's associated with the perception of severe soreness and discomfort. And when we say perception, I mean, that feels like uh, people don't believe us, but it actually does feel very sore. Uh, if you've experienced it. So DOMS typically occurs 24 hours to 72 hours after either unaccustomed or high intensity eccentric muscle contractions. So for example, running downhill, and it might be something that um, happens to you regularly, or it might be something that just happens occasionally. But the soreness experienced is attributed to the local inflammation that's caused by the damage to muscle fibers. Um, so that's the sort of the, the scientific uh, definition of DOMS. But thinking about, um, you know, the signs and symptoms a runner uh, may experience, what, what would they be other than the things that, you know, I've just mentioned, Karen? Yeah, so you've mentioned the the soreness and the discomfort that that people will experience, but also you know gen, generally swelling occurs alongside that pain, as does um, that potential for a decrease in muscle function. So, for example, it could be reduced muscle strength, or it could be a reduction in that explosive power, depending on what kind of um um runner you are. And then on top of that, other typical symptoms include muscles that just feel tender to the touch and also a reduced range of motion due to that pain and stiffness um, when moving and muscle fatigue. That's a, a, a really um, common um a symptom is that muscle fatigue. Now, the ACSM, so that's the American College of Sports um, Medicine, they state that the pain tends to peak at about one to three days after the workout or the run or whatever it may be that's led to the DOMS. And then it should ease after that. And it is interesting because people do tend to experience DOMS at different stages. I know for me, it's definitely that second day after exercise that I will experience DOMS but for some people it can be one day after the exercise or up to the three days so um yeah, it's a it's a tricky one, isn't it, really? Because sometimes you, in a way, you think, well, I know I've done something. I must have really done something if I'm experiencing DOMS. And, and you can feel a little bit of, you know, a perverted pleasure, I suppose, in a way, by yeah. that. But but you, the last thing you want to do is it to interfere with, A, your day-to-day -day life and your next uh, training run or your next gym session. Mm. Um, and I think that's why... It, there's a, a real need to get it under control, I guess. Um, so um, moving on, Karen, are there any specific risk factors for DOMS that are worth sharing with everybody? Yeah, there are actually several risk factors um, that are associated with the development of DOMS. And, and one 
principal one is just being new to running. And and I suppose we've all been beginners at some point. So hence why it is thought that most runners will experience DOMS at some point. And I'd like to meet a runner who hasn't experienced DOMS because I do think it's that common. And um, DOM in, DOMS in, in people new to running or exercise generally doesn't have to be um, running um, is thought to be as a result of that unaccustomed stress to the muscle, but also to the connective tissue as well. It's not just about the muscle, it's all the connective tissue around the muscle. Now, other groups of runners um, who are also susceptible to DOMS include elite runners um, alongside recreational athletes when they start that training season again. So they've maybe had some downtime, some rest time, and they're getting back into training and it, it can happen at that point. And like I say, that's for elite runners as well as as us uh, recreational um, runners. Uh, also, athletes that are performing the high intensity bouts of training or are in competition as well, because as we know, when you're when you're in a race or in competition, you push yourself harder. But also overtraining um, can produce that skeletal muscle cell breakdown. And that, again, leads to DOMS. Um, because as you, you said, Aileen, DOMS is a symptom of that muscle damage. Is there anything else, Aileen, that you would you would add there? Um, well, just that we know that age has an effect on muscle strength, so possibly exposing aging muscle to high intensity or large volume of exercise um, without any previous progression. So without building it up slowly, that could lead to DOMS. Uh, and also you mentioned earlier um, that DOMS is common in downhill running. So I guess maybe trail or mountain runners would also be a susceptible group. So, you know, it, it, you can see from everything you're saying, Karen, that, you know, we, we all fit into those categories somewhere, don't we? Exactly. And at some point in our, our running history or potentially are running going forward so you know I think those are really good points but also you know we've mentioned age and intensity of exercise now both of these are factors thought to contribute to the severity of DOMS as well as, as getting them the severity of the DOMS that will be experienced by any any individual person now other uh, factors thought again to contribute to the severity of DOMS includes um, training background. So maybe again thinking about the beginner versus the experienced runner or the recreational versus the professional runner, the severity of the DOMS experienced will be uh, very different. Also genetics, clearly that would influence how muscles respond to, to any trauma, uh, environmental conditions. So for example, weather, terrain, and also stressors. You know, we know that endurance running is a physical stressor. However, you know, individuals might also be coping with emotional stress, psychological stress as well, but also not forgetting that our nutrition and our hydration status is also going to have an impact on the severity of the DOMS that anybody will experience. Okay, so lots of risk factors to be uh, considering there. And over and above the sort of ge general risk factors related to DOMS, Karen, are there any female factors that we should be considering? Yes, actually, um, there are a, there are a couple I would mention here, and um, but but what I would say that is that research appears to be mixed regarding the susceptibility of DOMS in women versus men. So, for example. Uh, because women have higher levels of the hormone estrogen, some research suggests that women may be less susceptible to muscle damage from exercising besides their male counterparts, so suggesting that estrogen is protective. But other studies have shown that women are more susceptible to muscle damage, but that they generally recover faster than men. And there was one study that showed um, it, this was looking at downhill running, and it showed that it took men 72 hours to recover from DOMS, but for women, it only took 24 hours. So again, potentially that was linked to hormones. They didn't say in that study, but it could have been linked to hormones 
hormones. So still having a protective effect, but not protective from getting DOMS, but maybe the the recovery from DOMS. So um, so it's a bit mixed, Aileen. <coughs> the yeah. Yeah, it's interesting about the oestrogen as well, because obviously, you know, as we progress through the menopause, our oestrogen levels are decreasing and maybe uh, that's another uh, reason for um, the onset of DOMS. Okay, um, so just to summarise, uh, we know that DOMS is defined as a, as a symptom of exercise-induced muscle soreness, and it's associated with a perception of severe soreness and discomfort, and there are many risk factors for its development. So we talked about age, uh, there's genetics, training, nutrition, hydration. Um, so all of these risk factors need to be taken into consideration. But let's now move on and think about how food and nutrition could res- support the recovery from DOMS. Um, so as you said at the beginning, Karen, we did import, uh, discuss the importance of macronutrients for recovery. So that's carbohydrate, protein and fat. We talked about that in episode 15. So we won't focus on them today. But if you're interested, go back and listen to that episode. Um, so, Karen, you talked about um, foods and nutrients um, that were sort of sort of newly researched, if you like. So what are we going to be talking about today? Yes, well, there was a really good review paper that was published in 2022, and it really was dedicated to the subject of nutrients for the recovery from the um, exercise-induced muscle damage and DOMS. And they were all phytonutrients. So just as a reminder, phytonutrients are the natural chemicals that you find in plant foods that have really beneficial effects um, on health. Now, this paper was edited by David Neiman. Uh, Now, he has led many studies into nutrition and sports performance and quite a lot, I think, on vitamin D and its effects on um, on sports performance. So with him editing it, I thought it was it was definitely um, information that was going to be worth sharing with everyone. So in this review paper, the key phytonutrients that they highlighted um, included curcumin, anthocyanins and flavonoids. Um, betalane, quercetin, and isothiocyanate. So quite a mouthful there, really. It was indeed. We'll see if I can manage to say them later on. <laughs> they sound like tongue twisters to me. So um, let's explore each in a little bit more detail and establish why they're thought to help recovery from DOM. So if we start with curcumin, um, most people will know that this is a, a bio, has a it's a principal bioactive component of turmeric, and we we dedicate an episode to um, turmeric, the spice turmeric, in episode 116, which was called a focus on turmeric. And you might want to listen to that episode for more information if, if it's of interest. But thinking specifically about DOMS, in what way is curcumin thought to re- support co- recovery, Karen? Well, it's supposed to um, support the recovery from DOMS really due to its anti-inflammatory and antioxidant effects. Now, um, curcumin's anti-inflammatory effects are due to its ability, apparently, to dis- to decrease the expression of some pro-inflammatory genes. But interestingly, curcumin is also known to have analgesic effects. So in other words, act as a painkiller on both acute and chronic pain. And I'm not sure if that is something that many people are aware of, because we do tend to associate curcumin and um, turmeric with the anti-inflammatory and antioxidant properties. Now, curcumin is also a potent free-range scavenger And just as a reminder, you know, those free radicals are rogue molecules in the system that are known to damage healthy cells. And remember, the metabolic effects of endurance exercise itself leads to the production of these free radicals. Now, the efficient scavenging effects of curcumin are thought to reduce the risk of any secondary muscle damage occurring um, following any any primary um, 
um, disturbance to 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 muscle health. So um, so those are the key areas of support that um, curcumin are known for regarding that DOMS and um, exercise induced muscle damage. Yeah, I mean, it's a very powerful nutrient. Um, but one of the things just to bear in mind is that the bioavailability of curcumin is known to be very low. So if you uh, want to optimize its healing properties, you'd need to consume it at therapeutic levels. And I'm sure we'll touch on that later on, Karen, when we discuss how to put these uh, recommendations into action. Um, so moving on to the next um, set of uh, nutrients that we're going to talk about. So the anthocyanins and flavonoids you mentioned, Karen. Um, what um, what was the study talking about in, re- in relation um, to those um, nutrients? And I was also wondering if they um, picked out uh, anything in relation to tart cherries, because I know that they've been researched uh, significantly for all their antioxidant content. Yeah, actually, Aileen, they did speak about tart cherries because, you know, they are really, they are really potent. There's been a lot of research into, into using them and we've discussed them as well in, in previous episodes. Um, because there is so much, um, research out there. Now, this study was suggested that tart cherries may have anti-inflammatory properties due, as well as the antioxidant properties due to their ability to inhibit certain enzyme activity. So um, in other words, tart cherries might be able to maintain an appropriate appropriate inflammatory response to injury because it is important to remember that we need that inflammatory response when a muscle or anything is injured, but it's when it becomes inappropriate um, that it then causes causes issues. So tart cherries are thought to help to maintain that appropriate inflammatory response. Therefore, by maintaining that, it's, it's helping to improve recovery. And then, so so that's just a, a little bit about the anthocyanins and the flavonoids and specifically thinking about the tart cherries. Now, let's just have a quick look also at betalain. Now, probably not a lot of people um, know this, but it is actually found in beetroot. Um, so, you know, we don't really associate beetroot with with betalain, do we? No, no, it wasn't. Uh, you know, when you mentioned it right at the start of the episode, Karen, I was like, oh, what's this? Because yeah. it's not one that I'm aware of, but mm. I am now. Um, mm. So, um, like you say, uh, we tend to associate beetroot with nitrates and the ability to deliver oxygen to muscle due to the vasodilation effects um you know and, and obviously a lot of runners um do use beetroot um beetroot shots particularly so karen what can you tell us about betalane well so betalane is known to be um the most potent antioxidant molecule found in beetroot um and it's also a, a potent scavenger so in a similar way to curcumin really but it's also known to upregulate our internal so our endogenous antioxidant um enzymes really and that is what we want. You know, we want to really try and enhance our own antioxidant system rather than having to um, to depend on external antioxidants from supplements. Clearly, we want them from our foods, but having to take on the extra through um, supplementation. And um, and and so this this betalain is really helping to support the um, internal antioxidant system to work optimally and efficiently. And also betalain, again, similar to curcumin, um, is, is known to have that analgesic um, effect. So that um, pain painkiller effect. So quite, quite an interesting um, molecule there. 
It is indeed. So it'll be interesting to think about how we can use beetroot to help our DOMS. Um, mm-hmm. But before we do that, Karen, let's um, have a look at quercetin. Um, and quercetin is found in many plant-based foods. So um, things like green tea, apples, peppers, blueberries and dark green vegetables. And I think most people will have heard of quercetin and its anti-inflammatory and antioxidant properties. And it's been well-researched for its cardio and um, hepatoprotective effects as well as anti-cancer effects. In fact, I was just listening to a, a seminar about that this weekend. Um, so thinking about quercetin and DOMS, what specific effects does it have? Yeah, well, this again, this review paper that I mentioned, it suggests that quercetin may reduce the expression of many pro-inflammatory molecules. That's how it it works. Now, some human studies have shown that quercetin is um, unable to prevent DOMS, but it can help to counteract that inflammation associated with DOMS. And also... With um, increased bioavailability of quercetin comes reduced muscle pain immediately following training and therefore improving that time of recovery. So that is its mode of action. And then finally, um, just ha- uh, just giving you a quick instant insight into this isothiocyanate. Now, it, it, this is an emerging phytonutrient, so there isn't a huge amount of data on it yet. It is found in vegetables, including the, the brassica family of vegetables. So I'm thinking there of cabbage, watercress, broccoli, but it is also found in, in wasabi, which, if anybody has um, tried it, is a really pungent um, Japanese spice. Now, it has been shown to be cardioprotective, so protective um, to the heart, and also anti-carcinogenic due to its antioxidant and anti-inflammatory effects. Now, in DOMS, it's thought to um, speed up the recovery time. But what I just have to add here is that the research to date is mostly on animal models, although there has been one human pilot study. Now, clearly this is in its very early stages. So we will update you on this um, phytonutrient um, as this as the research data is released. So watch the space is what I would say regarding uh, um, isothiocyanate. So, um, so that's just a, a little bit of an insight into some of the phytonutrients that um, are currently being researched, have been researched in the past, but as always, we need future research into all of these as well. Um, so it's been a real whistle-stop tour of the, the, the nutrients, um, but ones that are known to, to really to support that efficient recovery from DOMS. And um, so what I think we'll do now, before we go and um, start looking at sort of converting all this information into um, practical ideas of incorporating them into your your food plans. Um, Shall we just stop and have a quick advert break, Aileen? So I will hand over to you. Yeah, thanks, Karen. So we've been talking about the key nutrients that you need to consider to help you recover efficiently from DOMS. And um, as Karen said, we've got to convert these nutrients into a pl- practical food choices that you can include in your meal plan. Uh, now, a meal plan does require planning and it's a stumbling block for many people, including runners. Um, it's a challenge maintaining a high, uh, a healthy diet and a healthy lifestyle consistently. Um, and often, you know, we, we hear that from people and they say that healthy eating and food planning is an ongoing struggle. So if you're trying to stay on track, um, maybe um, you need a little bit of help on how to do this consistently. So we created um, a five step ebook to help you stay on track with your eating for health, for running and hopefully now for efficient recovery from DOMS too. And um, the five steps that we take you through are to begin with discovering what your foodie personality is, because that's going to um, guide you on how best to do your food plan. 
Uh, step two is about making healthy choices. Step three is about how to actually make a plan. Step four is about being prepared. And step five is committing to some action. And we follow the five steps ourselves and, and we try to think of everything to help you be successful at food planning in a quick and easy way. So the ebook is there to help you do just that, to work through the five steps. So if you're interested, um, you can download our ebook at runnershealthhub.com. So look at the top menu bar, the free nutrition guides, um, scroll down until you find it, pop your email in. And we'll send the ebook over to you. And we actually uh, designed the ebook to go alongside two episodes, episode 92 and 96, which were all about tips on food planning. Uh, so you can either just read the book or you can listen to the episodes alongside it. Uh, we really hope that the five steps to easy food planning helps you. And uh, do let us know how you get on. Great. Thanks, Aileen. OK, so now let's move on and start thinking about um, translating all the information we've given you into practical food ideas, food solutions for you to add to your meal plan. Now, what I would just like to mention um, before we get going with that is that the phytonutrients that we have mentioned um, are not the only nutrients known to have antioxidant and anti-inflammatory properties. This list is far from exhaustive. There are so many out there. However, they are the ones that have been studied for the potential to support sports performance. And again, there are more linked to sports performance as well, but these are ones that are, that are being highlighted um, currently. Also, we have spoken about some other nutrients linked to sort of that um, exercise induced muscle damage and DOMS in several uh, previous episodes. So I'm thinking here of nutrients including citrulline, gingerol, and bromelain. And of course, all the macronutrients as well. So you could go back and and um, listen to these different episodes to find out about other nutrients. So what we're going to do is just sort of um, uh, focus on the ones that we have spoken about today. So so let's think about that and how you can introduce them into your meal plan. Now, interestingly, there was another review paper that um, that I was reading. And it was just published this year. So it's very, very new. And it was dedicated to using pure juices as a supplement. I put that in inverted commas because it is it's a real food, but using pure juices for that muscle recovery from DOMS. Now, the most popular therapeutic juice for performance that most of us will have heard of um, is a beetroot juice, or like you called it earlier, Aileen, the, these beetroot shots. Yeah, that's really, um, really interesting that there's a whole paper dedicated to pure juice, because you know I love my juicing, Karen. Mm. Um, uh, it's great that it's been uh, researched around supporting sports performance, so really looking at real food and food first rather than therapeutic levels of nutri nutritional supplements and I, I guess that's because when you make a fresh juice you are using high quantities of vegetables so you know you're really getting a, a good therapeutic dose. Um, so Karen what was this paper saying about how much beetroot juice would be required to um, help diminish that, that experience of DOMS? Yeah, well, some of the research was showing that if you were to consume 125 mils, which isn't actually that much, of natural beetroot juice twice a day, um, and they were looking at it on the day of exercise and then for three days after exercise, that is shown to help lower the, the perception of DOMS, um, including that a reduction in pain. But you know, as always, it is worth bearing in mind that um, some other studies hadn't found any positive effects of beetroot juice on um, a, a, an individual's experience of DOM. So again, the, the research is is mixed. Yeah, it's interesting. And although you say it, it doesn't sound like a lot, I, I bet you there's three or four small beetroots going to actually making that beetroot juice yeah. um so yeah and it, it is a very potent um juice uh, of all the juices i would say it's the most potent so from what you're saying karen this clearly suggests that more research is required mm -hmm. um did they discuss any other juices in this paper 
Yes. Um, another one that they mentioned that's uh, appropriate for us today is um, tart, jerry ju- tart cherry juice or Montmorency juice. I think that is the name of the type of cherry that, that, that they tend to use um, and, and using that as supporting DOMS, um, but also this um, exercise-induced muscle damage. Now, looking at the recommendations there, the studies um, were suggesting two different approaches. One was saying about having 237 mils, which is probably about an average glass per day for five days prior to any endurance training or event, but also having 237 mils on the day and for two days following the event. So you're looking at eight days in total, really. Or having two 355 mils um, glasses of um, that tart cherry juice per day for seven days prior to the induced training, endurance training or event, and also during the the event as well. So, but they weren't say it's they weren't saying that you needed to have it afterwards, but you were having more prior to um to the to to the um event or to that endurance training so two different approaches there but both sort of supporting that diminished um experience of doms and um more efficient recovery from 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 it now what i would say here is really that that a lot of the studies that were reviewed in this paper were preliminary studies. So they are still in the early stages, but showing really promising results. Um, but as you were saying earlier, Aileen, you know, more studies are needed to, to be conclusive in confirming the therapeutic um, use in optimising um, the juices for recovery and for that limited damage caused by injury. But what I would say is for now, these juices, I think, are certainly worth introducing as part of your daily anti-inflammatory nutrition plan, especially if you are maybe prone to inflammatory responses, whether it be linked to um, to, to to your training or outside of that, but also if you're prone to injury from training or you're regularly experiencing DOMS. Or also, if you are a long distance runner, I think this could only be supportive um, in introducing into your regular meal plan. Yeah, that that's really good advice, Karen. And, you know, I was just thinking when you were talking about, you know, when you're training regularly, you're going to have an endurance training event every week. So really, to manage DOMS, you're going to have to put some of these nutrients and foods into your food plan on a regular basis and not just before a, a sort of a major competitive event yeah. um, so mm-hmm. definitely uh, worth thinking about having a, a a strategy where you include these foods regularly I think yeah. yeah okay so let's move on and think about turmeric and how this could be introduced to the diet so um, as we mentioned earlier, um, it's the curcumin from turmeric that's poorly absorbed in the digestive system. So that's the reason the bioavailability is low. But there are a couple of things you can do to help increase its bioavailability. So the first thing is consume it at therapeutic levels. And that would really mean taking it as a supplement. And the other thing that you could do is consume it alongside black pepper. Um, so uh, pepperine is the active component of black pepper, and that's thought to enhance absorption and bioavailability of curcumin. So, um, yeah, I'm a great believer in turmeric and uh, and using it therapeutically. So that would be my recommendation. Yeah, absolutely. And both of us um, use and highly recommend the Yurzuki turmeric. Um, and interestingly, each of their sachets contains 750 milligrams of curcumin, which is an, an excellent um, amount considering some of the studies that I was reading and that were showing positive results were using um, only 200 milligrams per day of curcumin. So 750 
Prasashi is a really good level. But what I would just um, add here is that um, that in, in one particular study where they were looking at, again, endurance running as opposed to downhill eccentric um, run training, in, in the endurance running, they suggested that a long-term intake of um, 1,500 milligrams of curcumin per day, so that's significantly more, um, was most beneficial in reducing the inflammation um, from DOMS post-run. So, it, again, it, it potentially just depends on the type of training you're doing. So maybe a lower dose if it's DOMS from um, downhill running. Uh, but if it's the endurance running, then taking on board um, long term and at much higher levels. So that would be what two two sachets a day, basically, of the Yuzuki um to, to to achieve that 1500 milligrams so it's quite doable and um and they are very good and very effective so so just thinking about that and how does that translate to your meal pl- plan well um i would suggest really taking a supplement if you are prone to DOM. So if you are having uh, issues with that, then definitely supplement supplementing um, turmeric would be my recommendation. Or if you're considering increasing your distance or introducing more skill-based training into your plan. So these would be the times to be thinking about taking it more at a therapeutic level. Yeah, definitely. And and if you are interested in trying uh, out your Zuki, remember to use our discount code, which is Runners Health Hub 20, and that'll get you 20% off, uh, which is very worthwhile having because they are premium supplements and they, they, the price is premium too, but it's well worth, worth having them. Um, so, um, Karen, you were talking there about, um, you know, food plants and how you could in, introduce turmeric, um, especially, you know, you know, on an everyday basis, if you're a, a casual or a short distance runner, then adding turmeric into your food plan regularly could just be a supportive accompaniment uh, to everyday healthy eating. So the kind of ways that you could use turmeric would be, for instance, in a turmeric tea. So you, you quite often see uh, turmeric in the greengrocer. Um, so you could chop up some fresh turmeric and steam it in some hot water for five to 10 minutes, strain it and, and drink it as a tea. Uh, you might want to um, add some freshly grated or maybe even powdered turmeric into scrambled eggs or scrambled tofu. That's a really delicious way uh, to eat turmeric. Uh, you could add some freshly grated turmeric to soup and stews, or you could add them to a smoothie. Um, that's another way that you could use your zuki actually is to, um, to put the turmeric into a smoothie or into a yogurt if you prefer. Um, it can be used in salad dressings. Obviously, a curry is a great way to use turmeric or soup. Um, so turmeric is a really versatile versatile spice and it has that lovely beautiful vibrant color that beautiful sort of bright yellow Uh, just be aware that it can stay in your hands your clothes surfaces so uh, yeah handle with care when you're using it so that you you don't get any stains anywhere yeah yeah no I totally agree with that you know I quite often have stained fingers and stained kitchen surfaces because of turmeric okay so let's um have a look at some foods containing quercetin and and consider again how you could introduce them into your diet so the ones that we mentioned earlier were the green tea the apples peppers blueberries and dark green vegetables and I think really they're ones that are really readily available in all shops and supermarkets and ones that could quite easily be introduced into the diet. Now, again, that list isn't exhaustive. There are lots of other um, foods out there as well that will contain some quercetin. Um, But just thinking about how you could introduce it in the diet. So, for example, thinking about the green tea, you could possibly swap out one coffee a day for a green tea because, you know, do remember that green tea still contains some caffeine, not as much as coffee, but it does have some caffeine. So you still will get a small hit. Um, Also, apples and blueberries 
blueberries. These are things that you could use as a topping if you have porridge in the morning or overnight oats or even to have mixed with um, yogurt and nuts. Or you could just have them on their own as a snack with a, a few nuts or seeds on the side. So you know they they are they are really easy um foods to to introduce into the diet um Aileen, what would you add here about some of these um foods um well, thinking about dark green vegetables i mean there's so many ways that you can use them so you can add them to soups, stews, salads, juices you were talking about earlier and smoothies um or you could have them cooked as a side dish with a meal so the the types of dark green vegetables that would be really great would be spinach kale broccoli watercress rocket spring greens all of those would be fantastic um peppers are also an excellent uh way of, of getting some quercetin in so you could use them uh you could have cr- as crudités you could um and maybe have that with some hummus or guacamole, or you could add them to a salad. They're great roasted, um, so either on their own or as part of a Mediterranean vegetable medley, or maybe you could make a roast pepper soup. So lots of lovely ways that you can get those vegetables in. Um, now, thinking about the amount of quercetin that we require, Karen, is there anything in the research about the amount of quercetin needed to have that therapeutic effect on on DOMS? Yeah, well, some studies um, were showing that uh, a 14-day, so two-week intake of 1,000 milligrams of quercetin could reduce the impact of the, the muscle damage. Um, whilst others were showing that um, an eight-week intake of 500 milligrams per day, so half um, of quercetin, but combined with 200 milligrams of vitamin C, uh, reduced certain blood markers that were associated with muscle damage. So, you know, if you were to convert that into um, the quercetin content of a portion of food, um, the likes of an apple, so roughly about 100 milligrams, that's an average apple size, contains only 4.4 milligram, milligrams of quercetin. 100 grams of kale contains 22.6 milligrams, so significantly more than um, than an apple, but still very low uh, when looking at the therapeutic levels. And then 100 grams of spinach um, contains 27.2 milligrams. So, you know, it is a lot of quercetin that is required to have a, a potent um, 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 impact on um, DOMS and that muscle damage. Yeah, so it's a little bit like curcumin. You really need to attain therapeutic levels of quercetin and you might need to do that as a supplement. Um, so, uh, but as you said, Karen, you know, it's always really important to focus on these foods in your, in your food plan and diet regularly because that's going to boost your intake a little bit and it all has a synergetic effect and a cumulative effect, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, Okay, so we're going to have to draw this episode to a close soon. Um, But just before we do, I was thinking about, you know, an easy action that everyone could consider uh, taking after listening to today's episode. So what I would do is maybe just have a, a minute to reflect on what you experience when it comes to DOMS and exercise induced muscle damage and consider you know, which foods and supplements would be helpful to you. Um, Now, if you do feel that therapeutic doses of these phytonutrients would be beneficial, then it is really important to to work with a professional because one of the important things is to make sure that it um, it's at the right level and also that there's no contraindications with any medication that you're taking. So if you are interested um, in working with a professional, you could get in touch with us to discuss how we could support you to ensure that you're taking the correct supplements at the correct levels for your needs and goals. And you can either do that by booking a complimentary call with us, which is on the website. Or if you want know that you want a supplement review, you can book that direct there too. Um, so let us know how you all get on with 
thinking about the next steps in your nutritional plan for mm. DOMS. Uh, we'd really like to hear from you. So, Karen, just to round up, uh, would you give us your key takeaways for today's episode? Yes, absolutely, Aileen. So firstly, just as a reminder to everyone, um, DOMS is actually classed as a symptom of exercise-induced muscle soreness and is associated with the, the pain and the discomfort that you experience. It typically occurs between 24 and 72 hours following exercise. Now, there are many risk factors for the development of DOMS um, to be thinking about, to be mindful of, and they include being new to running, the type of running you do, also age, gender, and of course, your nutrition and your hydration status. Now, many phytonutrients um, found in plant foods have been researched for their antioxidant and anti-inflammatory properties that are known to help diminish or at least limit the effects of DOMS caused by muscle damage. Now, these phytonutrients include the ones we've discussed today, so curcumin, anthocyanins and flavonoids, betalain, quercetin, and the new kid on the block, isothiocyanate. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it is, like I say, a new one, uh, a new um, um, phytonutrient. So the data is limited, but it is looking really promising. Now, including these nutrients in your diet regularly and consistently through your food choices could, could really just help to top up and maintain their levels within the body. Now, the foods containing these phytonutrients could easily be incorporated into your diet through the likes of juices and smoothies or by adding them to salads, soups, stews, casseroles, uh, dressings. So many ways you can you can utilize them and use them in your diet. And they're all very readily available um, in shops and supermarkets. But what I would say is if DOMS and injury are an issue, then potentially therapeutic levels of these phytonutrients may be required and that would need to be done through supplementation. Now, we do highly recommend that you work with a practitioner when you, if you're considering nutritional supplementation just to ensure that the levels are suitable for you and safe for you and for your needs. And that would be it, Aileen. Great, Karen. That was really excellent. Um, thanks for updating us on the current research and sharing the, the nutrients that will help limit the effects of DOMS and exercise-induced muscle uh, damage. And finally, everyone, remember, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. Thanks for joining us today on She Runs, Eats, Performs. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and will join us again soon. Before you go, please listen to the end to hear more about Amazing Jane Activewear and why their leggings were voted best for runners by Women's Fitness. Once again, thanks for listening and have a great week. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies recommended as best leggings for running by women's fitness magazine we think they have everything a female runner needs first of all they're high compression to support your legs and bum they have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run there's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband which is great for your cards or a key they also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a gps tracking device and this is a unique safety feature all Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases. Mm -hmm.